Hello, hello, hello. This is the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi. Here with you today on a Monday, January 27th, 2020. Not too much going on for the Red Wings this weekend, uh, fortunately for you and your sanity, uh, but some big stuff going on in the NHL. Uh, obviously, with the All-Star Weekend, they had the skills competition on Friday night and the All-Star Game on Saturday night. So we'll recap that on today's show, uh, as well as update you on some stuff that's going on in Grand Rapids. Uh, Grand Rapids entering their weekend series with the San Diego Gulls uh, point getters in their last seven games. And in a position to grab a playoff spot heading into the All-Star break. Uh, so that'll be uh, something we talk about at the end of the show. Uh, but first, the first star since the first show of last week. Uh, this week it'll be Phillips Zadina. He was really impressive uh, on Wednesday against Minnesota, putting up two goals, first multi-goal game of his career. They're kind of lucky bounces, but uh, he was really the only guy making a difference offensively in that game. He had seven shots in uh, 20 minutes and 51 seconds of ice time. Had an assist in that game against Colorado, and uh, while we're mentioning that game, uh, probably give a shout-out to Dylan Larkin as well. He was just as worthy of that award this week. Uh, he had a goal and two assists in that Monday loss. Really impressive on the forecheck, creating plays. Had an assist on Wednesday against the Wild. Just exemplifying some leadership qualities and, and all that other good stuff that he was just kind of always buzzing no matter how, how sloppy the rest of the team was playing, how bad it looked. It, no quitting him. So, you know, shout-out to him. Uh, but this week it'll be Phillips Adina because, you know, as we kind of get down the stretch when you have games like this where Zadina scores two and the Red Wings play a horrifically sloppy second period and go on to lose four to two, it almost feels like a micro win. And I never thought I'd be saying that uh, as a Red Wings fan, but, you know, here we are. And that's the reality of the situation to where... You're not going to win a lot of games down the stretch. You're not going. To, you're probably going to go into every game expecting them to lose, uh, but hoping for moments like this where some of the younger guys kind of get the chance to build some confidence, score some goals, get some points, and uh, and just start to get the feeling of you know becoming a producer in this league. You have a little bit of glimpse uh, at the future of what this team can be. So those moments are exciting. It's despite the fact that they come in the middle of pretty stinky losses so um the skills competition i think is probably always going to be a little underwhelming uh you know there's just not that many great moments uh some good st louis alumni did show up that kind of brought some energy a little bit keith kachuk al mcginnis brett hall they all showed up and uh you know played various roles both kachuk and hall got celeb shots in the uh the final competition which we'll get to in just a second uh, and then McGinnis, and he, I think McGinnis is in his 50s now, but he uh, he came out for the hardest shot competition, which of course he dominated back in his time uh, in the 90s. Uh, one of the one of the greatest clap bombs this world has ever seen. So pretty cool to see uh, to see all those guys coming out. Obviously, you have the ties with the Kachucks and then Brady and Matthew both playing uh, in this year, and then facing off in the uh, championship game. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, another another cool moment on the uh, on the night was Matthew Barzal dethroning Connor McDavid as the uh, three time defending champion uh, fastest skater. Uh, Team Canada beat the USA in a really exciting twenty minutes of three on three action. So that was pretty cool. 
Uh, Jordan Bennington also winning the save streak was uh, pretty exciting. I thought that was going to be a really boring event. We'll get we'll get more into that in a second, but uh, you know it ended up being being a pretty okay night. And uh, I want I do want to come in with a hot take right off the bat, and uh, that is that I liked the Shooting Stars competition. Now I've been seeing. I didn't. I, I thought it was fun. I didn't realize that everybody was going to backlash on it so hard. And maybe I just wasn't looking in the right places for, you know, the feedback on that event. But I saw a lot of negativity towards it just because. Well, so let me back this up. If you didn't watch, basically what it is is they set up a stage in the lower bowl of the arena, about halfway up the lower bowl. Um, they had eight NHL players and two. Uh, two players from the women's challenge, one American, one Canadian. And then they set up a bunch of targets on the ice. Some had nets, some were just like blocks or whatever. And they each had different point allotments. And then from that stage, like halfway up the arena con or, you know, the, the lower bowl of the arena, uh, players would try and fire pucks in and hit the targets. So there was a middle target that looked like the St. Louis arch that pretty much everybody shot for the entire time. Uh, but it ended up, like, I, so, okay, let me collect my thoughts on this here. I thought it was something different, and I think the NHL desperately needs something to have them tune in. I think the biggest problem with the NHL skills competition is that there isn't a marquee event. Like, with the NBA, you have the dunk competition, with the MLB, you have the Home Run Derby. And, like, both, you know, both of those events have their faults. I'm not saying that they're perfect. Whenever, you know, these things happen year after year, they tend to get a bit watered down. And I feel as though that's probably the case with, you know, any league. So it's hard to really put the onus on the NHL for not having something super exciting. I mean, I think it is still more exciting than the Pro Bowl competition, uh, which I haven't watched in years. You just get some... The only the only thing I've like the only clips I've watched from the Pro Bowl competition have been clips making fun of Mitch Trubisky that people like play in in prime time when he's losing a big game on Sunday Night Football. So that's pretty much the extent of that. But obviously, over the years, I have paid a lot more attention to the NHL competition, and uh, I thought that this was I thought that this event was an attempt at you know like I said trying something new, trying to get something a little more interesting. That's not necessarily has to do with the on the ice skills of hockey, but something that's fun. And I saw a lot of people criticizing it just because of like the it seems like a sort of a random event. I think people's big criticism was like, oh, this never happens in a game. Well, you know what? That's okay. In the NBA, nobody's jumping over cars in the game. So I think that argument is kind of dumb. Because uh, it was kind of an exciting event, and I think like there are things that could be tinkered with. Uh, if you watch the event, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. But like the the point allotments, like should probably be messed with a little bit because of the way that you know the biggest centermost. Well, it wasn't the biggest, but pretty much one of the biggest, and the centermost target was that St. Louis Arch, and because it was worth ten points, that's just what everybody was shooting for. So there wasn't a lot in in terms of like strategy to go along with the skill of shooting these pucks from, you know, the popcorn stand. But, uh, I still thought it was a pretty cool event. And, um, like I said, I think the NHL needs to keep trying new things to 
eventually latch on to a marquee event because right now I would say that it's probably the fastest skater competition. Like when you run down through the list of events that they have, it's the only one where like the winner means a lot. You know, the winner has like true bragging rights, the accuracy competition. That's like whatever, uh, the, save streak is you know it can be kind of compelling you saw a little bit and how that can happen on friday night with jordan bennington that was just like a perfect storm where the hometown goalie was going last he had to go on a huge run to get the win at the end Uh, he ends up making like nine or ten saves in a row as the competition comes to a close to uh eventually wins the win the event and in front of the hometown crowd that's going to draw a huge cheer so that was pretty fun uh, but other than that, I think that that event is kind of the one area. The shootout is the one area where, you know, a lot of character and individuality used to come used to come out and shine through. I have, you know, the image of uh, Ovechkin wearing that bucket hat that's draped around his neck, and he's got the Canadian flag sticking in it. So it's a it's a new event. It's an interesting thing where where the top players in the league can get a little bit of extra face time that they might not be getting because they are in street clothes plus their jersey you know no helmets on when they're up on that thing so uh cameras getting pretty in their face and i don't know i like that the nhl is trying i thought it was it was an interesting event to say the least and while i think it did have some issues definitely i'd like to see it return uh you know maybe with some tweaks and then just a couple more notes from that skills competition on Friday night before we move into uh, what kind of went down on Saturday. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi participated in the shot accuracy contest. Uh, it was the only event he participated in on the night besides the the save streak where every player was uh, required to participate. And uh, he did as well as, as, as anybody probably could have expected from him. Uh, he broke the shot. There it was a weird thing like they used to have just like the targets that you would smash, but now they have this like LED screen with this plexiglass in front of it that you know brings up these targets that register when the puck hits the glass and then it like makes this fake smashing thing and like all the all the players targets are customized. I thought that was kind of lame. Give me the give me the old fashioned. Uh, Give me the old-fashioned targets that can explode into a billion pieces. I like to see like some maybe some clay pigeons uh, get tossed out in front or something like that. I don't know. You gotta do something to to spice up this contest because it is boring as hell. Uh, I've pretty much fell asleep, you know, through it. Uh, luckily, it didn't last that long. And that's another thing that I think is wrong with a lot of the NHL skills competitions is they don't like they don't last at all. Like with the NBA and, you know, I keep drawing these parallels because I think the NBA probably does it the best. Uh, They have like their two big events. They have the three-point competition. They have the dunk competition. That's it. It doesn't have to, you know, get everybody involved. It's just showcasing two of the most exciting areas of the game. And uh, the shot accuracy contest just doesn't do that. Uh, It's interesting. There's no real – it's pretty much just who, like, who gets on a roll – like, who doesn't panic? Because that's really what it breaks down to. You see guys, like, they miss a couple, and they're just, they just keep missing 
a lot more. There's no real, like, bragging rights that comes with winning a shot accuracy competition. You know, that's the problem. There's bragging rights that comes with winning a three-point competition or winning a dunk contest. There is bragging rights that comes with winning the hardest sh- or the, well, yeah, I would say the hardest shot, too. But there's bragging rights that comes with winning the fastest skater. There's not bragging rights that comes with winning the shot accuracy contest. Quite frankly, I would not mind like never seeing it ever again. Maybe I'm in the minority on this. But uh, anyways, Tyler Bertuzzi broke the shot accuracy machine, whatever the heck you want to call it, thingy-majigger contest, uh, while taking first place. So pretty cool moment. He hit all five targets in just over 13 seconds. They had to come out replace the glass you got that nice little flex of like yeah i broke the glass which you know it doesn't really matter if if it was by any of your doing or anything if you break a rim you break the glass you break anything uh in the world of sports you just flex your muscles and move on so uh that was a pretty cool moment and then in, like in the exact same time that that was happening philip Sedina scored his second goal of the night like in a in a he made a trip down to Grand Rapids. We'll update you on that in, in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, there was, like, this couple-minute span where Tyler Bertuzzi was winning the shot contest and Philip Zadina had a two-goal night. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Jacob Slavin eventually wins the event. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi was knocked out by Leon Drysaddle. Uh, anyway, so it's not like he went, like, to the wire with it. Um and then in the hardest shot competition, everybody broke triple digits except for Seth Jones. Uh, so that's unfortunate for him. Shea Weber eventually winning uh, his fourth contest uh, with a uh, mark of 106 miles per hour. So kudos to him. Can't really say. Surprised. Uh, I can't remember who I picked really. Well, actually, so I remember I picked Bertuzzi for the shot accuracy contest. That was wrong. I picked uh Hellebuck for the save streak that was wrong I can't remember who I picked for the fastest skater was probably wrong uh and I picked USA to beat Canada so that was that was wrong as well once again I don't remember who I picked with the uh did I pick Shea Weber hmm I don't know this is bad podcasting I'm sorry guys uh moving on to Saturday night uh, the NA- actual NHL competition. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I really didn't watch much uh, of these first two games. Um, they're generally speaking pretty boring. Uh, the effort out there is not necessarily uh, what you would hope it to be from one of these things. And I get it, you know. Like, you're not trying to overexert yourself or get hurt in an all-star game. I get that for sure. Um, but just generally speaking, you know, you could kind of just skip to the championship game when at least I do when I'm watching these types of things. I did uh I did have it on in the background. I did see uh the couple assists by Bertuzzi the first one uh to Shea Weber some nice nice pasta alfredo sauce. Uh just lifting that one right off the ice for the one timer across the uh across the ice on the odd man rush. Um Bertuzzi ends up with one goal and four assists on the tournament. I think I mentioned that before, but just in case I did not, you know, let's uh, let's let's talk about it a little more. A Red Wing got a win this weekend, so that was cool. Uh, he obviously didn't end up winning the championship, uh, but there were some good moments in that last game. Uh, you do usually see these games get more competitive as the as they go on. Uh, it's kind of the same thing every year where 
Nobody's really trying in the first two games. The third game for all the marbles, the $1 million cash prize kind of starts. It's a little sluggish, just like the earlier one. Uh, but eventually, uh, guys get going. Remember, there's a million-dollar person line. Remember that these are guys that they're going to be playing all season, and they do want those bragging rights a little bit. So you kind of always see the the last you know 10, 15, 20 minutes of that sec or that third game generally get pretty exciting. And uh, Saturday night was no different. The Atlantic jumps out to a 2-0 lead, Pacific makes it 2-1, and then uh, one of the great plays of the game, uh, Anderson makes a great glove save on Connor McDavid, uh, Atlantic comes the other way, David Posternock scores on a breakaway to give the Atlantic a 3-1 lead, the Pacific get back in it in a hurry, uh, Elias Peterson scores, blocker side dry settle does just a few seconds later to make it 3-3. Um, this is one of those moments where you, know, you kind of remember, oh yeah, this game actually is pretty fun. Um, and Elias Patterson, for those of you who uh, you know don't watch a lot of the Canucks or you know just aren't really familiar with him, uh, he's definitely a guy that you know as the season winds down, the Vancouver Canucks having an incredible year in first place in their division. Uh, one of those guys you definitely are going to want to try and catch on Hockey Night in Canada as this game comes to or as the season comes to an end, because uh, they're just incredibly incredibly talented so young so much fun to watch um Patterson leading the way he's got 21 goals 30 assists this season uh fellow all-star Quinn Hughes some of you might remember him uh he's a local boy went to the University of Michigan uh he's just 20 years old he's got five goals and 29 assists the only rookie to make the all-star game this season uh Brock Besser he's 22 he's got 43 points Boy Horvat he's 24 years old with 42 points uh, so really just being led by a cohort of really young, talented players that are only going to get better. And, I mean, they're in first place right now. We'll see if it holds as as the, as the season goes on, if that inexperience catches up to them. But um, right now just playing really great hockey. So there was a, they were a couple fun guys to watch uh, in that Pacific division. Uh, Bertuzzi actually gives the Atlantic uh, a 4-3 lead with his only goal of the night, uh, a backdoor finish on a two-on-one. A pretty good pass by Anthony Duclair through the legs of Max Pacioretty. So, you know, it's looking for a little bit like uh, like old Burt might have the game winner. But, uh, alas, uh, the Pacific comeback, they end up scoring two goals. Uh, Connor McDavid has a ton of chances. Thomas Hurdle eventually beats uh, Anderson um, after Pedersen ties the game at four. So uh, it ends up being 5-4. Pretty much everything you can ask for out of a championship game in the All-Star game. Um, you know, obviously you're not going to be expecting these guys to go 100%, but those couple moments what they do or when they do are, are typically pretty special and worth the price of paying attention. So I thought it was a good night uh, as far as All-Star games go. Uh, David Pasternak getting the MVP and winning that Tonda ZRB, ZRT, ZRV, uh, whatever the heck it is, hybrid minivan. Uh, what a weird gift to give an NHL All-Star. But that's a conversation for another time because uh, we got to update you on some things that went down in Grand Rapids this weekend. The Griffins with a chance to close out uh, an eight-game homestand on a nine-game point streak entering the All-Star break. They had a weekend series both at home against the San Diego Gulls. So that is coming up next. All right, so we wrap up this uh, Monday edition of Lockdown Red Wings as we do every Monday. 
Um, and that is with a Grand Rapids update. So we take you out there to Van Andel where the Griffins have two games uh, before they go into the All-Star break. Little, uh little bit of uh, traffic jam in that Central Division standings for that fourth and final playoff spot. They're on the outside looking in, heading into the weekend, tied with 45 points with the fourth place Dallas Stars, or Texas Stars, pardon me, uh, who do claim that fourth and final spot. So they have a chance to gain some ground or possibly jump the Stars, uh, you know, heading into the All-Star break, slipping into a playoff spot. They enter the weekend on a seven-game point streak, chance to extend it to nine, and they do extend it to eight. They win. Uh, they win four three on Friday night uh, with an overtime win over the Gulls as the Wolves beat the Stars. So they end up jumping into that fourth place, that fourth playoff spot, uh, with the win on Friday night. Uh, Philip Zadina had two goals. Uh, a couple guys, him, Cholowski, uh, Giovanni Smith, and Calvin McCard, all sent down to Grand Rapids after Wednesday's loss to Minnesota. Um, so he has two goals just just uh, two nights after his first two-goal game in the NHL, uh, as we recapped on last week's episode. Uh, his first goal, a one-timer from the right wing on the power play, just chef's kiss type of deal. Everything you want to see from Philip Zadina. I could watch him score those goals over and over and over and over again. His second goal, a tip-in on a shot by Brian Lashoff that made things 3-3. Uh, Matt Ford wins the game in overtime for the Griffins, so they jump into that fourth and final playoff spot only to get jumped the following night by Texas, who beats the Chicago Wolves in the second night of a back-to-back, while Detroit falls to the San Diego Gulls 3-1. to um, So right now, just seven points separating the bottom six teams in that Central Division. Two of them will end up with playoff spots, uh, assuming the, Min- or the Iowa Wild don't completely fall apart down the stretch. Oh, should be a really exciting half uh, of the season coming up in Grand Rapids. Obviously, them and every other team kind of trying to see what they got with some of their, their recent draft picks. So as some guys continue to go up and down, obviously that was probably Phillips Zadina's last ever game in Grand Rapids, barring something uh, unforeseen in his development. Uh, at least you hope so anyways. So um, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on Uh as the second half winds down, uh, you know, obviously with, with guys coming up and down, it's kind of hard to really project where any team's going to go or really put any sort of credence into their success or anything like that. So just something, to, just something fun to keep an eye on. With the Red Wings not really fighting anything, it's nice to have something to root for. And then one last note here before we send you guys off for the rest of uh, to to enjoy the rest of your Monday, we got Matthew Ford and Chris Terry uh, who will be playing uh, in the AHL. Let's see, it's not called the All Star Game; it's called the AHL All Star Classic, and that'll take place Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time, which is kind of annoying and doesn't really make much sense to me. Like, why, why on a Monday? At 10 p.m. I mean, they're probably playing at 10 p.m. because they're in California, but why not make it at, at like 8 or something like that? I don't know. I just don't. Like, these are the things where like hockey confuses me. Like, what are you doing? Don't you want people to watch this game? I don't know. Anyways, uh, that game will be on NHL Network if you want to tune in. Um, and then the night before, so that'll be Sunday, the night we're recording. Uh, was the skills competition 
One note out of there, former second-round pick uh, by the Wings in 2012, Martin Furk won the hardest shot competition. Uh, he broke Zidane Charles' record uh, with a shot of 109.2 miles per hour. Uh, of course, Furk doing that with the Ontario Reign, the LA Kings uh, AHL affiliate, after signing a one-year deal uh, with them this offseason. So, I guess cool to see, uh, cool to see a former wing doing something um, really significant, actually, like breaking the NHL hardest shot record. Uh, that's a pretty cool claim to fame. So good for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Griffins do down the stretch. Uh, I know they're going to be a very, very exciting team. I'm, I'm sure of it. I watched some of their game on Friday night against San Diego, uh, and I can say it was more exciting than any Red Wings hockey I've watched uh, within the last couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. Uh, follow me at Noel Bianchi. Uh, tweet at us. Talk to us. Uh, voice your opinions, your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So that pretty much does it uh, in terms of a weekend recap. All in all, pretty good pretty good weekend for the Red Wings organization. The Red Wings didn't lose any games. Tyler Bertuzzi got to have some fun. Uh, and the Griffins continue to keep rolling. They obviously lost their second game on Saturday, but uh, pretty impressive what they've done these last 10 games, these last eight, nine games. Um, so they're going to be a really fun team to watch down the stretch. Be sure to stay with us as we continue to update uh, you on the Griffins and all things Red Wings here at the Lockdown Network today and every day. So be sure to subscribe. Have these waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. They can be ready for your commute. Uh, be sure to share it uh, if you're if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Um, and as always, uh, you know, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys tomorrow, and uh, have a safe Monday.